Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades' experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, this is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. And I am so, so, so excited to welcome my most wonderful, beautiful guest here today, Vancouver's Queen of Soul, Miss Dawn Pemberton. Welcome, Dawn. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I know. (laughs) So exciting. So please tell everyone um, a little bit about you if they don't know who you are. Well, um, let's see. I was... Born and raised in Vancouver, uh, Canada, in in East Van. Um, grew up here. Uh, you know, this has been my my home and my sort of home base for a long time. And um, when I'm not in Vancouver, I spend my time touring with different musical groups. And you know, I work as a full time musician, uh, singer, choir director. Um, piano player, all of the above, human being, love machine. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Total love machine. (laughs) Yeah. So have you always been into music? Were you just singing your whole life? Did you come out of the womb singing? Yeah. um, Yes. Yeah. My, I grew up in a really musical family. Um, You know, my grandfather, my mom's dad, was extremely musical. He played tons of instruments. Um, And my dad, like my whole, my dad, my mom, you know, all my siblings all sang and played instruments um, and, and like listened to a lot of music and enjoyed music. So it was something that was just really nurtured and encouraged in our house. And um, I'm the youngest of four kids. And so, I just wanted to be like my older siblings and like do what they're doing. And, um, you know, my sister played piano. So I was like, well, I want to play piano, you know. And I remember begging my mom for piano lessons um, when I was little. And uh, and I think when I was about three or, f- three or four, maybe three, I, my sister, yeah, I would have been about three. She um, was taking singing lessons and... And so she's like 15 years older than me and, uh, and I would just go with her. And I remember one day like sitting underneath (laughs) the ironing board at her teacher's house and I was playing, I was like playing with toys, but I have this distinct memory of like, they're like, you know, doing their exercises and I would sing along, you know, and copy them and, um, and I remember one day, like, they kind of, they heard me and they are like, oh, you know, giggling, like, oh, that's so funny, like, so cute. But I just, 
have that feeling of like, I don't know, that's just like one of those like embedded memories where it's like, um, like a joyful memory that kind of connected me to my creativity. Um, yeah. I just love the visual of that. You as a little girl sitting under an ironing board. I know. Yeah. <laughs> singing along with your sister and her singing teacher, like doing scales. That is so sweet. Yeah. And just like, you know, with abandon, like just not even really like aware of that, that that's what I was doing. But um, just like, you know, just how kids are just like little sponges and so full of like innocent joy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good memory, good feeling. Yeah, they really are. And um, just because I'm sure there's people listening that don't know, I want to share one of my favorite memories of you that I was thinking of, which was when I came to see you at your album release party at mm. Fortune Sound. And I was just so blown away because I feel like Vancouver sometimes we can be a little like tough on our own, you know, like it's not always, <laughs> you're, you're like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, like yeah. we're a little, we're a little, we're funny. We're soft here and we're tough at the same time sometimes on, but you sold out Fortune Sound Club and you had a room full of people in there that were like loving on you. And to like, for yeah. me to see, um, because I know of course, Robin Garrett and work like at with Fortune over the years. And, you know, I've seen so many international artists do that but I do think that you're one of the only local artists that I saw and I was like wow like that's incredible so you really do have so much love and support here in Vancouver yeah I do I and I feel it I feel it so much and you know it was really it was a really that moment was like really beautiful because um one (laughs) I loved it because like the people at Fortune, they were so great. You know, it was a cold night. I think it was like in November, it was cold. And at some point, like we had just sold so, we oversold. And they were like, it's cold. People are out here waiting. And they're just like, just come in. Like they were just like cramming people, <laughs> people in. But the beautiful thing was that everyone that was in, in the room were people that I know. Like that I know and that I have like built relationships with and that I love fiercely, you know? And so that is like such a powerful thing, you know? I felt like we could have like healed somebody that night. Like, you know, I I remember having a dream of like this man, this like a sad man walking into that space. and And I just remember thinking like, we are going to love them back. Like I just had that feeling. Isn't that weird? But I just knew that it was just like filled with, with so much love. And I, sometimes I have like visions, like I get flashes uh, and your face is one that I often see. Like, like I'm on stage and I'm just like looking out at the people and it's like your face and Naray's face, like my family's faces. Like they're just like, you know, these flashes I get once in a while. And it's like just so much love coming back from these faces. It's, you know, years later, it's still like a huge thing. Like it's a heart thing, you know, it's powerful. It is powerful. And I think it's so important for people to honor artists and creatives. And I think it's really easy sometimes to look at people who are performers and think like, oh, it's just so easy. And, or like it even evokes maybe jealousy in people, but actually, 
you know, I can relate the same. It's like those moments where you feel heard and appreciated and you can see that what you do has actually like touched somebody's life. Like there's no, there's no better feeling than that. And, yeah. and, and I want to affirm that that night, that exactly what you're speaking of, like it was that you could feel the love in the room. And that was yeah. part of it is like you there in your moment and I mean, sounding amazing, looking amazing. And then everybody, the love that was coming back to you because people, you know, love and appreciate you, not just as an artist, but as a person. Yeah. 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 I always say that like, I must've done something really awesome in my last life. Like I really feel it because I'm reaping like so many beautiful seeds, like, you know, in this life, I'm like, well, what? Like, what happened? Like, what did I do? Because thank you. Like, this is great. You know, I have, I have, I'm, I have a lot of good people in my life. My mom always says like, wow, she calls me Donnie. She's like, Donnie, she's like, you have so many nice friends. And I was like, I know, like, I know. Like, I feel almost like, like, what did I do? I don't know. But I, I, I recognize it. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you to all the forces that made this happen. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know about last life, but you're doing a lot of th- it's good <laughs> in this life, in this moment too. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. So it's, it's showing up as that. And it's like, like attracts like, right? You, yes. you know, you're a good person and you're, you know, you put out a lot of love and then you receive that back in return. Yeah, totally. I feel like I always joke. I always think that it's like, um, despite my best efforts, like my default is like happiness and joy. And, you know, there's times where like, you know, if you ever like wake up in a kind of in a bad mood, you're like, and you just, sometimes you just want to be like in a funk and I can't, (laughs) like I can't really be in a funk, especially around other people. And, you know, I guess that's like a saving grace, um, but it's really funny. I was I was laughing. I'm like, let me be mad. Like I just want to be mad. <laughs> but I can't. It's really funny. It's like, maybe you should sad. Make, maybe you should make a course. That would be really funny. You'll just make people laugh. You'll be like, watch me. No, I'm gonna try to get mad. Watch me. <laughs> I'm getting mad. I'm getting mad. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. <laughs> no, really. No, no, really. I'm gonna get mad now, guys. Yeah, I know. I know, right? Yeah. It's coming this time. Yeah. Hi, hang on a second. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm thankful because it like, you know, <laughs> I think of that, that uh, default setting. Whoever set that setting, you know, knew what they were doing. <laughs> Uh, it, it's funny. it was God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Newsflash, it was God. But yeah. that, that, it's a gift. You know, it's funny. We mm-hmm. tend to think of gifts as like, you know, and yes, we have these two, like the singing gift or the music gift or artistic gift or whatever. But actually these aspects of our personalities are also gifts. And I think yes. I have something similar to you. I, yes. I sort of default, I default back to humor and like jokes. And mm. I've actually been thinking about it a lot this week because I've been noticing that a lot of people I know, even who are really into social justice or have had really hard lives, like it seems like we're all kind of like this. We just end up joking. And I think it's because once you sort of, it's like the earth plane, you know, like there's a lot of so much heartache that goes on down here and mm-hmm. we feel that so deeply. And it's almost like part of our medicine is just to like, you know, yes. just show up laughing and joking and find a way to be joyful. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, find a way to be joyful, and it's you know that you know like you know they always say like deep, deep sorrow and deep joy are like you know one of the same. Like they're just you know cut you know they're cousins, or they you know you can't have one without the other. And I think I think that's so true. You know, I think it's a blessing uh, to be able to have joy. And it makes, you know, those, you know, in those rare moments when there is grief or sorrow, it, it makes those moments of joy like that much sweeter, you know? Yeah. I got that song in my head. Joy and pain. Oh, yeah. Like sunshine. sunshine. <laughs> and rain. rain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like DJ Robin, Easy Rock, right? Yeah. Yep. I think so. Yeah, that's all. That's all the. That's like we're dating ourselves with that one. I know. I know. I was like, I don't know though. I like nineties music. I'm like nineties music all the way. I I don't want to like. Sometimes I'm like, is it just that I'm getting old, or has a lot of the modern music just like lost a lot of there? It's like every decade the soul component gets like cut down and down. Like I know. We need you, Don. We need you to bring more soul back to the world. Like please, like. Soul, real soul. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I had that same thought too. I was like, "Am I?" Like when people are like, "Oh, have you heard of blah blah?" blah? I'm like, "Who's that?" Like I don't know who that is, you know. And like we're both in music. Like you think we would kind of like know what the up and up and who's oh, coming I'm in and. I'm so glad to hear you say that because as you know, like I've worked as a, you know, I'm doing healing work and I've worked in massage for years and I've massaged yeah. a lot of artists and, and, you know, famous people. And I did not know who a lot of them were and I would Google them. And it's like, this, this band has the most number one hits of all time. And one person was like, had the number one song of all time when I, I had no idea who they were. I was oh like, my gosh. Oh dear. <laughs> like no idea. <laughs> Which is good, actually, from a from a like therapist perspective, because yeah. it's like I have no I have no plug into who they are, what they are. They're just a, another regular person in my yeah. in my books, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one, though. But I think it's just there's so many different. Um, but yeah, tell us about like your what are your biggest musical influences? Like, mm. who was it as as a musician or an artist that really made you want to, other than your sister? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <learning> word. <laughs> Um, wow. Well, growing up, I was really exposed to so much music, like so much music, so much, like just different music. My, you know, because my, you know, my family had just a variety of musical tastes. Like my oldest brother, he was really into punk music and like heavy metal he was a drummer. He played with, you know, a lot of Vancouver bands. Um, he he's like considered one of Canada's like punk pioneers. And, no way! Uh, yeah. Who is he? Yeah, his name is David Pemberton. <laughs> what bands did he play with? He I played was with punk like, for a bit. Um, David and the Ravens, and um, he had his own project. And then he also played with a the Paolas, who they weren't punk, but like by the time he was with them, they're like more more rock. I played with the Paolas. Um, oh, I can't remember who else. But yeah, he he played a lot. I mean, growing up, I one of my visions of my brother. So I would have been like, 
again, like four or five. Um, and he had, he's like a really tall man and he had this giant Afro, like huge. And then he painted, like dyed an orange stripe down the middle. Nice. So I remember he like, he had gone away on tour or something. And so he came back home and I just remember him like getting out of the car and I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, like just like in awe, you know, not only is he like a tall black man, but he's like, has a huge fro <laughs> with like a giant skunk stripe down the, down the middle. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of influences, like, you know, I was really into a lot of jazz. My dad listened to a lot of jazz and like crooners as well as my family's Caribbean. So we were listening to like Calypso and then my, my brother, my other brother was listening to like a lot of hip hop, um, early hip hop and things like that. And, uh, but of course, like I think, you know, us when we're growing up, like it was all like real like R and B singing, you know? That's kind of what got me like Albie Shore and Johnny Gill and Mary J. Blige and you know, of course after that, like I felt like I kind of got into some of the more um you know, staple of the soul singers like Aretha, like through them, it was kind of like, oh, or who is some of the music that these people listen to? Like, oh, they like, you know, Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin. So kind of getting into that. And of course I, I heard their music, but um, but I really started listening with like a different ear, you know? Um, and kind of being like, well, why is this so good? And like, <laughs> why does everybody like this music? You know, like, what is it about this style or these voices that everyone's just like, oh, so, um, yeah, I just started asking questions and getting really curious. Oh, I love that you said that because I, I do that too. And I think about the different ways that we can listen to music. Like sometimes we just listen as a passive listener. And then sometimes like as a musician, I get really obsessed with like breaking songs down and exactly that. Like, why is it like, why? Like I get obsessed with like, especially drum beats and bass lines and I get it really mm-hmm. like, why? But it is really interesting to try to figure out, like, I think about this all the time because, you know, there's so many incredible artists who are amazing and we may never hear them as much as yeah. another artist. And of course there's all kinds of reasons for this including the very lovely interesting music industry but you yes know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one yeah. reason and you know mm. but there's so many there's so many pieces there about this. so did you come to any conclusions about why these artists were like what was it for you yeah I think hmm yeah okay yes I mean it's kind of a longish and maybe not but I think at the time, what I didn't know but have come to understand is that um, these artists were so impactful because they were tapped into um, a source of, um, you know, spirit or, you know, call it whatever you want. Uh but they were tapped into something that um, gave them freedom, a sense of freedom. And I think 
it's something that a lot of um, people who are uh, descendants of like enslaved Africans have. Um, and and I think when you have this understanding and this like ability to surrender, um, you you sing from a different place and you create from a different place. And, you know, that's one side of it. And then also, like, the music is just so visceral and um, involves the whole self and the whole body. And it's, like, there's so many ways that it hooks you. Like, you know, how many times have you, like, heard music on and your your body is, like, you know, subconsciously moving, you know, and then you realize, like, oh, like, oh, I'm tapping my foot cool, like, what is this? You know, so there's, there's, when I listen to soul music or R&B or, you know, funk, it's like, it, it just gets my whole self moving. I w- was in New Orleans last year and uh, heard this really amazing speaker talk about um, the fact that, you know, when, when enslaved African people were brought to North America, you know, and the Caribbean, they they already had, you know, we often feel like they weren't complete people because we don't, we never get those stories, right? Um, but he was saying that, of course, they're complete people. You know, they had societies, they had love. And of course, you and I know that, but like, you know, they had societies, they had love, they had names for God, they had ways of worshiping and celebrating. And um, when they got, you know, when they were stolen and they got ended up in the places that they did, um, those things didn't go away. You know, they just found other ways to to manifest and they were given other names, you know, based on what was around you know, around at the time. And so, um, so yeah, he was talking about um, that there's like a deep sense of spirituality and uh, even more so because it was like uh, a, a spirituality that accompanied, accompanied them like every day of their life through, you know, every aspect of their daily life. They were, there was a sense of creation, a sense of, um, mystery and magic um, that followed them, you know, to to North America, and that still existed, even though um, their captors were trying to basically like squash, douse the life out of them. Um, so, anyway, so he goes on to say that uh, having such a deep sort of like spiritual connection and especially in times of like great sorrow when you know that this life is horrible but perhaps in the next life you will have relief and that through through your death that you'll be going to something better um and he called that like the let go like surrendering to that knowledge of knowing that you'll you will see your family again, and that you will have um, peace again, and you will be free from this horrible life. Um, and he's like that. That permeates so much of African American music, um, 
and it, basically anywhere, any like African di- diaspora music, like anywhere where Africans are taken, like that, there's a bit of that in all the music. It's like an untamable, unnameable joy. So, um, so that sense of like assuredness kind of then just permeated all musical styles, you know, like he was saying like this knowledge of, of being able to have a better life somewhere else um, gave people the faith and the courage to just surrender. And I think it's what helped people endure such atrocities and um, also affects how like all the art that they created, you know? Um, So I always think about like, you know, you got to learn to love the let go. And I always try to tap into that, you know, because I know um, that's why I'm here as a human being. You know, my ancestors knew somehow that if they could just surrender instead of resist, um, that they would live forever, you know? And like, here I am. I'm proof of that. And you're proof of that too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's deep and it's heavy, but I think that's why we all love the music because we recognize there's like a lot of humanity in it. Even though if we don't, we can't name it all the time, but there's, there's a inherent human, humanness to it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for sharing. There's, that's like profound. And right. I know. It's just like, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go lie down now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, it, there's, there is so much in that and it's so absolutely true. Everything, everything that you said, and I'm not even sure which, like which layer to speak to because there's so many, but I do remember since we're talking about voice lessons, I was with my yeah. voice teacher many years ago and I looked at her and I was like, why do black people sing the way they do? I was like, is it a, is it a physical thing? I'm like, do they have a different like voice register? Is it because like it is, and, and I came to understand in a different way than you, but very much the same. And it is a soulful quality. It is something that is felt and is known on the soul level because of the trials and the atrocities and the survival and the miracle of the survival of, mm-hmm. you know, black people and specifically those that were like enslaved Africans. And that is, it's felt. So it's, it's beyond, it's not just a physical sonic quality, but there is a a very soulful quality. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they call that like, that's epigenetics, right? Like they're totally getting into that study now of like how, you know, things like the good, the bad and the ugly get passed through, you know, our genes, you know, and, and like, you know how they did that study on like, on, on mice of how, you know, they had like a, a scary sound and, you know, or a scary like picture that would make a scary sound. And then all of a sudden, like the next generation of babies knew not to go where that picture was. Like, so they're trying to understand how that works in humans, right? Like, isn't that wild? That blows my mind. I did not know that. That's yeah. wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a really interesting study of how um, animals you know, pass on knowledge, 
and we're animals too, right? So it's like it it is it, it's in our in our in our cells. Um, but yeah, it, and it's I think it's part of that. It's like it's it's something that gets passed along, but it gets nurtured as well by how you know um, black people nurture and live in community and how they worship and like that's all that's all part of it too like you know that gets sort of um it shapes it shapes the sound it shapes the people it shapes the music um yeah it's all it all goes together yeah it does and i mean i've been thinking like in the past few weeks just about like what's going on in america and i feel Mm. like america is like sort of this like hotspot right now for the world and that the world is watching America because it's this really extreme extremity playing out that's happening, you know, everywhere. But I also feel like the world loves America and the world loves black people, maybe more even than like (laughs) inside America itself, you know, and it's because, because of like, you know, I, I know that people around the world were celebrating when, you know, like the he who should not be named, like left yeah. the, you know, and they were celebrating a big part of it was for the reason of his lack of support of certain types of people and playing mm-hmm. out these very old patterns that just need to like, that um, need to go. But the, I think the impact that's been left on the world, like especially through the music is just profound. And it's funny because yesterday I was in the studio with um, with LT Irie and we're we're oh, working cool. on some music. But he, you know, he's funny. He's like me, but really into the reggae music. So we were talking about like it's it's the, it's in exactly what you just explained, but in a different way. So Jamaica also has its own version of again. It's like the Africa, the influence of Africa, but because it's like in the Caribbean, the, the music got a little slowed down and the sounds are all there. Like it's fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, and that's especially with reggae. It's like music that was like totally influenced by spirituality and and mysticism, and you know, and that that comes from that comes from Africa. Like it might have you know uh, morphed and and changed, but it's like you know those those roots are are still there. Um, yeah, when you think about like, you know, the repetitiveness of the music and um, and how it's, you know, very like trance-like, like that's, that's all, you know, medicine that just, you know, got a different name. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It is. It's medicine with a different name. And, yeah. and you know, I think, everybody connects to that somehow because Africa is like, as I understand it, like the birthplace of, you know, civilization, like everything came from that at some point. So I think that's, Mm -hmm. it it is, it is felt, you know, on some level. And I love that you described it as like, there's a lot of humanity in there because somehow, you know, we all, we all feel that on some level. Yes. Yes. And I think that we're in like so much trouble as a, people as a species of you know humans um because a lot of people get taught to one deny their own humanness and to forget about it and to also um 
recognize, to not recognize and to deny the humanity in other people. Like, once you turn your back on that, what's left? You know, it's just a lot of heartache, a lot of sadness. So I think that's my mission (laughs) is like just to try and connect with people and, and, um, make them feel their own humanness. And like, you know, and not in humanness of like, as that we are less than, but like, or to put in a, but I mean like our own like divine humanness, you know, like our own, that we're all part of something. Like that, that's kind of what I mean. I, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, you know, like we, I talk with people a lot about purpose and how purpose isn't just like what we do in the world. Like, okay, I'm a singer or I'm a, you know, a lawyer or whatever it is that we're mm-hmm. doing, you know, but I love that you said like your purpose is to connect people with humans, hum, their humanness. Because I, I say this often, like, it's like humans, so many humans have forgotten what it means to be human and to be humane. Like this word humane is like, we see so many humans acting in ways that are not humane. And it's very sad because so much of it, again, the root of it is generations and generations and generations of strife and struggle. And this goes across the entire world. You know, there's all across Mm -hmm. the world, we see incidences of this. It's not just one place or another. It happens all kinds of places with all kinds of people. And so for me, what it always comes down to is just like humans, (laughs) come on humans. Like what's it going to take for us, for us to like really get it together down here. And not to say life's going to be problem free. Like I think we're meant to have our, we're meant to learn here. I feel like earth is a school and we have these lessons that we play out with one another, but how can we play out these lessons in a way that's a little bit like, you know, less violence, so much less heartache, less, you know, it's, I'm sure you find it hard. Like I find it hard sometimes to be online or just see what's going on in the world and not just want to go and like crawl into, it's like my whole life is like that. And that's where the humor comes from too, I think is like, when you, (laughs) you you know, it's like, what else are you going to do? Like you see all of this, you know, there's a lot of beautiful things that happen down here. And then there's also so much strife and struggle and it hurts. Right. So I think we just, you know, have to find a way to keep going and just keep on, keep it on. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think, I think you're right too about humor. When you, when you look at, um, you know, any kind of group of people who have had a history of struggle, um, look at what they laugh at and look at what they find funny and, and look at how they celebrate. And, and you'll see some really funny stuff. Like, you know, a lot of like First Nations communities, like there's so much humor and so much laughter and... <laughs> Like even just thinking of like, you know, some of the jokes that my friends have shared with me, like it's really funny stuff. Like, you know, it's kind of dry. And if you don't, if you're not paying attention, you might miss it. But it's like, no, that's like really smart and really funny. Or, you know, um, yeah, I've just noticed that like a lot of people who have, you know, suffered a lot. There's um, a lot of humor. I think humor is how we heal too. It's, it's medicine as well. 
Well, it is. And as you were talking about that, I was mm-hmm. thinking of like how the epitome of whiteness is like kind of like the tight-lipped British, like nothing is funny. What's not funny? Be proper and don't, you know, don't laugh. Don't make any fun. Like this is very serious, you know, like that's kind of <laughs> yeah. like on the scale of whiteness. Like I think that's like all the way as far as you can go. Right. So then the opposite of that is like, a, you know, again, a more humorous, more funny, more fun. Yeah, I remember somebody saying once to me, like, when picking a spiritual teacher, if they're not funny, then don't, like, (laughs) because all of, you know, because it's true, most people of God or people who are, no matter what tradition they're from, if they're a real kind of, if they have a real connection to the divine, usually they're pretty funny too. Like, they teach, you know, their teaching style contains a lot of jokes and humor and everybody's laughing. Like, it should be like that. Yeah, because I think you can, you find it funny because I, (laughs) God's hilarious. Like, God's really funny, you know, and like, however you name God, God's funny because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I see what you did there. That was, that was really funny and how I thought I wanted that one thing. And then this other thing came up and then you were like, huh? Hey, hey? yeah, okay. Like, yeah, God's really funny. God's always playing jokes on people, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Noted. You're in control. I got it. I got it. You're in charge. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's true. God is large and in charge. Oh, I know what you mean. Sometimes like, you know, I've done like angel readings for people over the years, like my intuitive readings. And I tell you, I've met and actually some of the most serious people who have the funniest angels ever. And I'm just cracking up. I can't even believe the things that I have to hear and, and relay. And it's, it's quite funny. So the divine <laughs> absolutely has a sense of humor. What's that thing? Like if you want to make God laugh, like tell him your plans, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which is, I think we're so, which is so funny that like kind of the trend in some forms of spirituality right now is like manifestation, which is great. I do be, of course, believe that we have a role in what we create, but also we don't <laughs> like there's yeah. so much that's out of our hands and there's just so much that we have no control over. And, and then it's just like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, we cry and then we laugh and those are actually the same things. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about at the beginning, like it's like that, it's like a pendulum, right? It's, it's, it's like. It's, and it's funny that you mentioned that because right before earlier this morning, I was thinking about that word, like um, all these words that start with T, like there's trauma and mm. then there's a trigger and then there's transmutation and then there's trans transformation that comes after that. But it's like, they all kind of go together, but you can't really have the transformation until you, it's like the, 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 the um, I'm, I'm going to like uh, the lotus flower how it like grows in the mud, you know, like no mud, yes. no lotus. <laughs> so we can't really get to this state of joy sometimes without having mm-hmm. experienced like a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No lotus, no mud. That's no like, lotus, no mud. I was like trying to like, I was trying to, I was like, what's that word again? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, moral of the story, follow the funny people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I totally... Oh man, I mean, even I always look at people who are like all the comedians, you know, who then are like doing like serious acting roles and who like totally like got you like, oh my gosh, like, you know, and it's, it's really funny, like, haha, like interesting. It's really interesting that, um, that yeah, a lot of funny people have such a huge emotional, uh, depth and like um, understanding and awareness. It's 
it's like surprising, but not surprising, you know? Yeah. Well, I know, I know for me personally, it's like a, it's almost a bit of a coping mechanism and it is because mm. I, I do feel things so deeply and I have been through so many things and my medicine inside of that is just like laughing about it. And this whole last year, 2020, I was like, thank God for the funny people because I'm like on the floor some days, just laughing at memes on the internet, laughing at, and I'm like, yes. thank God we can just laugh about all this stuff because like, if we didn't laugh about it, like what, what, what would we do really? We'd just be on the floor crying. crying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's like laugh or cry, you choose or do both. It's okay too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I definitely did both, but I'm more laughing than crying. Yeah, yeah. Ex- you're absolutely right. Like, thank God, thank God. Literally, literally, <laughs> thank God for funny people. Like, I, it's just like I, I, I like pray for funny people. I'm like, thank you to all the comedians, and even like the speed at which they roll out is hilarious. Like, oh, yeah. I was cracking up in the past few days at all the Bernie Sanders memes. Like, within like a few hours, they were just rolling out. I saw like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens. I was like, this is hilarious. Like, who even did this and why? But it's so funny. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know people are just, <laughs> I feel like we're maybe have we reached the zenith of humor as a, as a species? I don't know. It's like, things are pretty funny. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Is there more room for funny? I don't know. I hope so. Is it just all downhill from here? <laughs> no, we gotta, we gotta keep, no, I think it's uphill. I think it might be, I think we might be going through a little bit more. I don't think we're quite done with the the, the, the little the, the, the spot that we're in right now. Yeah, it's a yeah, little yeah. bit too too much of a mess to unwind <laughs> right away. It's going to take some time for it to unwind. But I've had a yeah. strong feeling all along that on the other side of this is actually a lot of really amazing stuff. Mm, yeah, like, I think I'm, so. I didn't come here to this planet to be like, I'm like, no, not this time. I'm like, no, there, I feel like... I always say this. I'm like, there's too many of us now. We're too smart now. There's people waking yes. up every day. There's people that are like, and it doesn't even have to take like um, the action so much. It's just a matter of people in their everyday lives starting to open their hearts and open their minds and do things mm-hmm. a little bit differently and, and just be more conscious and be more mindful. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just be conscious because when you're conscious, maybe you can stop yourself from getting really angry or creating a domino effect that's going to cause a ripple effect of harm. It's the consciousness that allows you to do that. It's not a big thing. It's just in the moment you think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm a loaded gun right now. I'm going to walk away from this situation that I could maybe, you know, contain, I could create a cycle of harm from, from, so it all starts with ourselves. So the more of us, and and it's, it's the same, like with the, it's like a little, it's like, um, you know, like the hundredth monkey, right? Because we're all, Mm. everybody's interconnected. So the more people, the more human beings that start to sort of behave and operate in a, in a, in a similar way, hopefully what we're going to see is, you know, more, more humans coming to better, you know, coming to be able to make better decisions for themselves and their communities. And then the ripple effect that that has from there. Yeah. I, I totally, totally believe in that. Um, I think relationships, like for change to really stick, it has to be relational. And, um, you know, you you see it so many times, like when uh, in instances of like, you know, families who have differing opinions in terms of race or gender or sexual orientation, you know, whether or not they are families that are that are affirming or not, 
eventually they'll come around. Like if it's not with their own, say for example, like a father and son, you know, if that son has a child who is, um, who identifies as, you know, non-binary or perhaps they have a mixed race child or perhaps, you know, they have a gay child, like, like the, the family then, like there's a softness that happens, right? Like, I don't know. It's like, I'm always waiting for that, that moment of softness when you're like, okay, there you go. Like you can't hate, you can't because you see the innocence of this person. And it's like, you know, you, you see the, here, you know, here it is again, like the humanness of that person. And because you can see it also in yourself, right? And I think that is when the ripple effect happens in a, in a good way. You know, when it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, well, my, my, my grandson, you know, came out and, and I don't understand it, but, you know, I, I love him. So it can't be that bad. Like, you know, like how many stories like that have we heard? And it's unfortunate that it has to like take that, but thank goodness it does, you know? Thank goodness that that is an option. Oh yeah, I love that you said that because I have. A, I was just thinking about, I have a very dear friend and he comes from a, his parents are like South American Mormons mm. and we're super against anything other than like traditional male-female relationships. And out of the three kids, two of them are, you know, homosexual, like male and female. So yeah. now it's all fine. There was a period of time where it wasn't, you know, it was, it was a bit of an issue and there was some tension there, but in the end, yeah. everybody's come together, everybody's family. And I'm like, how beautiful. Clearly the parents needed that lesson because they had not one, but two children show up that way, you know, <laughs> yes. and decide to yeah, be that yeah, way yeah. in the world, you know, but, um, oh man, what did you just say? You just said something. I mean, you said a whole bunch of really amazing things. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's gone. It's it'll, gone. It'll come if it's meant to, I guess. But something else yeah. you said was just like, uh, I mean, so many things. But yeah, it is. It all comes down to the the humanness and just. But oh yeah, mm. this is what I was gonna say. And so this is what I always try to remember too. Is like, it's not even anyone's fault necessarily. It's everyone's responsibility to heal and learn mm. and change once they know better. And yes. we are all byproducts of this completely psychopathic system that has been in place that has taught us all of these things that are just completely wrong and has like made people like sheep herd mentality that can, can be very difficult for them to break out of. So it's not like we're dealing with, you know, we're dealing with a whole bunch of layers of, of things sometimes in order to get back to someone's humanness is that like all with some people anyway, I mean, we're quite lucky being in Vancouver. I think we're, you know, pretty open. Yeah. We're very lucky in a lot of ways. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I live in utopia sometimes compared to some of the stuff I see online. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness, like there's so much hate out there. Like it's just, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking. But uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky because this whole world, the whole world is like, wow, it's time for some uh, big, big changes and new, new leaders coming in that have heart and like people who really think for the people and who have the ability. I think about this all the time, like, it actually takes a certain level of intelligence and emotional intelligence to have empathy and to be able to say, hey, even if I don't have that exact experience, 
I can relate. I can understand as a, mm-hmm. you know, as a fellow human being, and whether it's because you have your own story that you can kind of relate it to and or just not. But I find it interesting that some people, they haven't been able to do that yet. I know. It seems so simple, but, you know, I think it, it's, I think we have it. We're born with it. Right. And then uh, we get taught other things and, and those things get in the way. Um, or, we're, or we're taught to like, to override our feelings, you know, which I think is, is the dangerous thing because humans are, I feel like they're inherently empathetic um, because that's how we learn how to survive, right? Like we learn like, oh, like, oh, that, that guy like stepped off that curb and, and he hurt himself. Okay, well, I'm not going to step off that curb. But you're like, well, well, what happened to the guy? Like, is he okay? Humans are empathetic and curious, but I feel like as little kids, we get taught to override that, you know? Um, and especially if the people are different than us, you know? And I think that's, that's where we get into trouble, you know? It's like, yeah, we start um, having to tell ourselves things in order to um, hurt people. Like, for example, have you ever, um, there's a, a, a really amazing scholar. Her name is Dr. Joy Leary. Um, I think she teaches at Portland University now. Anyway, she has like a bajillion doctorates, masters. She's like a brilliant woman, but she's studying a little bit of epigenetics. And she wrote this book called The Post-Traumatic Slave Disorder, or Slave Syndrome, sorry. Is it disorder or syndrome? Post-traumatic slave syndrome. Um, where she talks a little bit about Thomas Jefferson and how Thomas Jefferson in his dying days wrote a letter um, basically saying like, uh, God forgive me for the things I did to, to my slaves, essentially. And you know, he, she then kind of looks at the letter that he's written um, and then looks at other letters that he's written. Um, one, and I think he wrote like some books and stuff, kind of like basically <laughs> like how to be a good slave owner, you know? Um, and so he would say things like, well, um, you know, African you know, slaves or black women are, um, you know, they or black people are, are like, they are smelly and, um, you know, they're, they're not beautiful and, and, you know, um, he kind of really dehumanized them. And then it's like, well, that's interesting. Like you basically like had sex with like a lot of your slaves and like you, you know, <laughs> like Sally, you know, um, Jennings, like she was one of his main 
slaves, like that he had children with, you know, tons of children with. Um, and, you know, he'd also say things like, well, black people can work harder and work longer. They're stronger. So that's why um, we can work them sun up to sun down. You know, or um, he would say like, well, they have no like emotional attachment to family or children. And so saying all these things that kind of like excused him and made it okay for him to forget his empathy and, and say like, oh, well, I can separate this family because they don't feel, they don't feel attachment. Like that's what I'm talking about, you know? So here's a man who was like, who believed this himself and was teaching this to other people. So, yeah, like that's what I'm talking about. Like we override that. You know, when you look at um, the Holocaust, like to do such horrible things to like millions of people, you have to override your own, like your own humanness and you have to make up lies to believe it, you know, to bomb a village of people you have to make them an, an enemy. To shoot a black man in the street, they have to be an enemy. To drive you know, an indigenous person into the middle of nowhere and leave them there in the middle of the night in like minus 40 weather, you have to, you have to think that they're not human and you have to lie to yourself. And, and you must be so out of touch with your own humanity and whenever whenever I hear stories like this I just like it's it's mind-boggling and sometimes it makes me go like are there different kinds of humans because there's people like me and you now again we're not perfect everybody's got our stuff but we would I could that like I could never even fathom doing anything even close to that like not even hurt like so the fact that there's other humans that can go to these extremes and cause so much harm is just mind-boggling and again so much of it is generational. And unfortunately, yeah. all of these memories and humans have always warred with one another. It's just, it's been a thing. And some places in the world, you know, we have places where we live in relative peace. And, you know, actually there is like a real live Holocaust going on on the earth right now in China with the yes. group of Muslim people there. And so yes. it's like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I just like to bring it up because I'm not sure what we can do other than just like educate people about it. Yeah. But like, it's still happening. And, and how, how can this happen? How can you think that yes. a group of people is not like, it's okay to take away their language and make them like mind control them and do all these crazy things. Yeah. To them. It's just Police wild. them. Yeah. Police mm-hmm. them. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, exactly. And the thing that's really interesting is like any little beautiful child will see something and be like, wait, that's weird. Like, you know, why can't I play with that that boy? Or like, why can't, like, why are those people kept over there? Or why, like, they'll ask questions because they know that it's weird. Like, it doesn't make sense. And it's like, well, you know, I know as like a little five-year-old that something is wrong with this and that that's not fair. You know, maybe they don't have all the language, but they understand fair. You know, um, so I definitely think 
um, that we get taught to turn it off when we're when we're young. We get taught, and oh my gosh, like what I didn't know that piece about Thomas Jefferson believing like black people don't have feelings. And it's so ironic because, I don't know, to me, I think it's actually the opposite. I think that I, my personal sort of theory about, because I'm like, okay, why are particularly Black and Indigenous people targeted so much in the system? Like, there's so many reasons, obviously. But what I sort of get from my own intuitive guidance is that there's something about Black and Indigenous people that in the DNA that is very connected to the earth, very connected to themselves in a way that poses an extreme threat to like whiteness, you know what I mean? Like the sort of the system of it. And because mm. there's actually something special about BIPOC people. Like I was thinking to my friend the other day, I was like, I hope there comes a day when people honor like, you know, the like descendants of African slaves and, you know, indigenous people as like really like holy beings walking on this planet because of the struggle that they've been through, because of everything that they've been through. Like it's a, it's a different journey. And again, just intuitively, I feel, and I can say this as a, as being me with no, uh, without depreciating myself, I'm like there's something there that's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. I can feel it. And that is the connection to our humanity, I think is part of it. Mm-hmm. It's actually a deeper feeling. It's a deeper, like, you know, I know who I go to ask for my like intuition check-ins. You know what I mean? A lot of them are melanated people. Because there's mm-hmm. a depth of feeling there that sometimes exceeds because I feel like whiteness teaches us not to feel our feelings and it teaches us and it suppresses exactly what you were talking about, like the emotion, right? It comes in and it tries to like suppress that. And it is in the only in the emotion where we can actually learn how to feel, feel the pain of, of others sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, you know, think there's, there's a connection to that for sure. For sure, um, yeah, it's it's kind of wild. I think, you know, also everything is motivated by money. Like, you know, Indigenous people, especially in Canada, were such a target because their land was uh, worth something to the people who colonized it, you know? Like, they wanted to make money and own it. And of, co- and of course, it had great wealth. You know, it is wealthy land because it, it housed, you know, millions of people who lived on it for, like, millions of, or, you know, thousands of years. Like, and it, it fed them and it clothed them and it protected them. Like, that, you know... That is real wealth, but you know because there's another kind of wealth that someone else wanted that that felt like they could you know they could only the only way to get that wealth was to like destroy the other people on it, you know same thing with slavery, like it was about making as much money as possible, like huh, we need to work these fields, and we need to work like really long hours to like make enough money well surely none no white people are going to work this hard for no pay like we need to go somewhere else and find people and steal people who will do that and who will work sun up to sundown um i found something out really interesting i'm going to send you this talk with dr leary um 
Because, so my family is from Barbados on my mom's side. And in this talk, she was, you know, talking about how she knows that they worked people to death and that they worked long hours. She's like, they found this gravesite, um, you know, in New York. And um, I think, and in Barbados too, like, and they could tell from the bones that these people work so hard that their muscles separated from their bones. Like intense labor, you know, and she was saying that in in Barbados, um, there are like millions of slaves that were brought there, but only something like 300,000 survived. Most of them died before they were able to like before they hit puberty and they died of malnutrition and overwork. And I think of that and I'm like, oh my God, like my great, 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 great grandparents were part of that, you know, 300,000 that survived. Like, whoa, that like, it blew my mind. I was like, I'm so thankful. Like, how did they do it? You know, how did they do it? How did they do it? Um, you know, so I think like great greed and, um, you know, money make people do really stupid things, really horrible things and make them uh, forget, forget their their humanity. You nailed it. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you, and it is great. And actually, like, even if you want to break down the main problem in the world today, like if I were to just really simplify it, what it comes down to mm-hmm. is that our world leaders are greedy. And instead of making like sure that every child is fed, clothed, you know, educated and taken care of. And, you know, really every human being is taken care of because there's more than enough here for everybody. Instead of doing that, they wage wars. They spend trillions on weapons and wars and like all of this like boy toy kind of stuff. And then they pursue all of these, like the, the, just the pursuit of their own greed and wealth. And it's this very small percentage of people that then have a trickle down effect and affect everybody else. So like, I'm like, I'm like, who are these people? How can we get rid of them? And like, let's do this already. Cause I feel like there's more than enough here for everyone. There's just a distribution issue. And again, it comes down to, because these people at the top of the chain are not, they're not sharing. They're not sharing and caring. They're not, they're not, <laughs> they did not learn their sharing and caring kindergarten theme. Like the rest I know. Of <laughs> exactly. They're exactly. not care bears. <laughs> yeah. Can't bear stare. Yeah, I agree. I think if, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, they just didn't learn. They didn't learn. Most of what we need to learn as humans, I think we learn like in the first, you know, few years of our of our lives. Like, um, and it's all those things of like, how do we work together? How do we be kind? How do we um, be loving? And, you know, sometimes people feel uncomfortable with like, well, there's no room for that in business or there's no room for that in 
blah, blah, blah. But um, there is like, and, and the reason things don't work is because people don't make room for it, you know? Um, and I totally believe that it's funny that you said that there is, there is more than enough because that's what my, my mug says. There is more than enough for all of us. And I really believe that like, um, in so many ways, like on so many levels, um, you know, in the music industry, like in Vancouver, in Canada, in the world, um, you know, being a, a black woman, I remember sometimes saying like, oh, you're, you know, you're a good singer, but I, I still love blah, blah, blah. Like she's my, my favorite. And this person is also like a phenomenal, you know, black female artist. And I was like, okay, like it's not a competition, you know, like, like there's, there's a more, there's, we're both allowed to be expressive and to express ourselves and there's more than enough space in this world, in this city for us both to exist. Like we've got our own paths that we're walking. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that it worked like that. Like that there could only be one black singer in Vancouver. Like, okay, you know, <laughs> like that's weird. Uh, but I come up against it in terms of like, you know, um, you know, some agencies like that have rosters like, oh, well, we could only have, you know, one of so many artists, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, you can only have one black woman on your, on your roster. I get it. I'll call back later. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just like, it just, it happens on so many levels. And I think, um, the best thing is just to operate from abundance and be like, there's room for all, you know, we just have to make room. That's like profound. That could be your new coffee mug. That's your new brand. There's, <laughs> there's room for, there's room for all. We just have to make some. Yeah. <laughs> That's like profound. That's like your new quote. <laughs> That's like, it's brilliant. <laughs> there's room for all. We just have to make some. And can it's can I tell you this? It's so true. I want to tell you like this really short story. So I'm like talking your off. Um, but, you know, I, I direct a choir and um, it's an all women's choir. But I used to sing in a, in a choir that was mixed, you know, um, with uh, men and women. And there were more women in the choir than men. But what was really interesting, so we'd stand on the risers and the men would stand normally would stand up straight they'd be comfortable on the risers and all the women would be squished <laughs> and like really like being like are you okay yeah sure i'll just move her okay yeah i'm good thanks like just like really <laughs> trying to work hard and make enough space for each other until one day, one day i and i never forget this because there's one woman in the choir was like okay guys like i don't know if you notice this but there are more of us than there are you. And we are literally like hanging on to the very edge, just trying to like stay on these risers. And you have, you're taking up a lot of space. Can you make some room for us? And I was like, whoa. I'm like, that's our world right there. That's our world. <laughs> that's our world. And it's like, you know, sometimes we are those people that don't realize like how much space we're taking up. Um, and so I, and, you know, I think it's, you can kind of like, 
it can be a bit of a an albatross too because then you're like are you okay do you like and then you just start like over worrying but I think it's good to be like okay how much how much space am I taking up like who who else can be part of this thing or this conversation or you know who needs this and like I have a little bit extra like who could have some of this um who could benefit from like being connected to this thing or knowing about this thing like I like to think about like things like that um because it just I just think of those men on the (laughs) on the risers just like spread out you know and all the women are like well what a what a perfect metaphor and like I don't want to get down on men because everybody has all their own qualities but you know we've lived in a patriarchal world and we've seen what this way of you know, doing has done for the world. And I think we can do better. And I saw this great quote, I think I posted it recently. And it was about like a mother's heart and how Mm. anyone can have a mother's heart, whether you're male, female, whether you actually have a child or not, whether you're non-binary, you know, whatever you're, whoever, everyone can have a mother's heart. And it is a mother's heart that will, is going to save the world because a mother's heart naturally it's, it's whether you're a mother or not, it's just what you described. It's like people who think about other people. You know, we don't, yeah. have, this is back to the kindergarten thing, right? And it's so Ooh. funny having a four-year-old because I'm like, wow. Right, you're seeing this all right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it all play out in front of me. I'm like, wow, yeah. like children are inherently like narcissistic in some ways, but they're allowed to be because they're kids and they don't know better. So that's why we have to teach them and learn. But some people never learn and that's not their fault, you know? So I have a lot of compassion for, yes. and I hope we get to the point as a society. I was thinking a lot about this, like, you know, like with cancel culture and how much people get attacked when they make a mistake in the public eye and all this yeah. kind of stuff, like what, what happens and not to say that like to justify when people do wrong things, but we do tend to really um, ostracize people and attack mm-hmm. them. And, and, and in fact, everybody makes mistakes and we have to learn to, you know, learn from other people's mistakes and, you know, have more compassion there too. And maybe not be so, you know, cause it gets brutal out there. <laughs> <laughs> when you're online, holy cow, holy, when I'm online sometimes, I'm like, oh boy, I'm like, we're in trouble. Although I do think the online world was designed with the, um, with some intention to, to get people, you know, worked up about things too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, that is so interesting. It's so interesting. I was listening to a really interesting podcast. I think it's called, yeah, it's called Criminal. And the ju- and the host, her name is Phoebe Judge. And she was talking about um, like different styles of penal systems and how, you know, like, like how do you really rehabilitate someone that you lock away, you know? And so she had this one guest on... Um, and she was an African woman who like went to school in in UK and then also um, went to Harvard. She's a lawyer and she worked in Washington DC um, and like also taught at Harvard. Like this is like really brilliant mind. And so this woman was talking about how, you know, growing up, I'm trying to remember where what part, uh, I want to say like, I think she was Nigerian. Um, and, and how like in her community, if someone did something bad, it looked bad on the community, not the person, you know, and it was the community's job to be like, oh, we have, fa- we have failed you. 
we didn't teach you properly. Like, okay, we are responsible for you. Um, you know, you still need to, to, you know, make amends for what you did. And you, maybe you still need to, you know, have some kind of repercussions, but we also need to make sure that we've got you. And so she was saying that that's the difference in how, you know, more Western styles of, um, you know, criminal, you know, penal systems. It's like they literally are just like, you are a horrible person. Go to go away. And she's like, how do people get better when they feel so shitty about themselves? And like also for someone to, to commit a crime it's because something's wrong. Like something's very wrong. Like they need help and we can't ignore that. So she's really trying to reform um, how she does law in, in America and kind of trying to take into consideration like what did this person need that they didn't get and how can we get that for them so that they can then make better choices. And it's like, Yes, like, yes, 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 that's what we need, you know, instead of just blaming the person, it's like, we failed them, we didn't do our best, let's, let's try again, we want to help you, you know, um, and I think, yeah, it's not perfect, but we can do better. You know, we can do better. <laughs> much, much better. And I mean, it's yeah. a whole other topic, but I'm, I'm so with that. And I would love to find a way to maybe work inside of the prison system in some, it, I'm very drawn to it for some reason. And yeah, it's because I see so much, it's, it's exactly what you just said. Like, it's just, it's, it's so wrong on so many levels. And yet sometimes people do need to be removed from society. And, you know, when they're a danger to themselves or yes. others, which they yeah. are, and the current way of dealing with them is not um, doing a lot. There's actually some really interesting stories out of um, India and around the world, but about um, the, the man who invented, I believe it was um, a Vipassana meditation. Yes. He did a lot. Yes, yes. Right. He did a ton of work and actually meditation can actually change the, the brain waves. It can provoke a deep healing, like even just the act of learning how to properly meditate. So there's some incredible mm. stories about, you know, prisoners being reformed and having another chance at life because yeah, it's true. Usually, you know, if somebody does something that horrible, it's because they are probably a victim of abuse themselves or something was done like that to them and they've never had an opportunity for healing. Yeah, and then we just lock, you know, we throw them away with a bunch of other people who are completely yeah. unhealed in a in a most like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm deathly afraid of even the thought of some of these prisons in the world, like just how dangerous yeah. and violent they are, like how much from like, like, you know, horrible stuff is going on inside of there itself. Like it just seems... It seems horrible. And so something has to be done, particularly in America and I mean, Canada too, of course, but of course in America, it's just more extreme because everything is, but it's yeah. A, and it's yeah. a business in America. It is. You know, prisons are, are a way that um, they make money. So. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard so many good things about that too. And it's again, it's like, yeah, meditation and prayer. Like both of those things remind you of your humanity they make you feel, they make you feel yourself. You have to check in, you know, if you're going to pray, you have to, 
quiet your mind if you're going to meditate. Like, of course, <laughs> you know, like that's so, it's so good. And it's amazing that it, it at the change it created, like, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, literally, thank God. Yeah, thank I know exactly, like, literally. <laughs> well, that is part of it. I say that all the time, too. I'm like, really, the problem of the whole world is, is that we've just lost touch with, with God or the divine, or again, because whatever name it is that you want to call it, because mm-hmm. whatever path you follow, we do see quite clearly that most religions and spiritual teachings are offering a very similar path to everyone, which is yeah. be kind, serve others. You know, there is a God. That God is is, you know, wants the best for you and everyone, and you know, if we just stay attuned to that and, you know, then life will unfold in a, you know, a hopefully, you know, fairly harmonious way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And you know what? I do believe that there are good things in the world that are happening. And, um, and I do believe that people are changing. You know, I, it's always easy just to be like, ah, the world's, the world's falling apart. It's horrible. And there are some really horrible, atrocious things happening. But there are a lot of good people who are trying their best to um, make a difference and make an impact and transform things. And, um, you know, you might see them every day. There might be like that one little sweet old lady who like, Every time she takes out her dog, she's like picking up garbage as she goes along. You know, like those people are important and there's people who have more power who can change the laws to make things better. And, you know, they're important too. And there's people who spend time with other people and who, you know, take time to listen and build relationships. Like they're important. So I think it's good to remember that there is goodness in the world and... Um, to shine a light on it because it's easy to forget. Amen. It is. Shine yeah. a light on it. It is easy to forget. Mm-hmm. And um, wow. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And yeah. And, and like you, that's what you're doing with your, I mean, and everything that you do and we do, right. It's like, that's why we do music. That's why we do. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of music, before we go, I want to um, you to tell everyone where they can find you. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, you can find me at donpemberton.ca and I'm on all streaming platforms, um, Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, even things I don't even know about, I'm on there. I'm like, how did, how did I get there? And some like weird streaming station in Russia. Okay, sounds good. I'll take my point, 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 zero, 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 zero cents. Thank you. <laughs> They're like, schnicky, look, look at Don Pemberton. Look at the Yes. <laughs> That's my fake Russian. It was so bad. That's good. It's good. <laughs> the only word I know in Russian is schnorky, and it means shoelace. Wow. <laughs> Schnorky. Schnorky. Very good. And I That's think amazing. Spasiba means thank you, but schnorky. My friend went to Russia and she learned that word and she thought it was just hysterically funny. And that's like all she remembered. And now that's like all I know too. So <laughs> I haven't amazing. been to Russia yet. It's on my list. I've always wanted to go to St. Petersburg ever since I read the story of the, like the Nicholas and Alexandra and the czar oh, and the Rasputin yeah. and all that. I was like fascinated by all of that. I know, me too. It's a fascinating place. My brother 
went there uh, in the eighties, like with his high school. Could you imagine wow. going to Russia with your high school, like when you could? Whew. But yeah, uh, so I, I I've also been curious about it, but. It seems like such a crazy place right now. I mean, everywhere seems a little bit like right now. Yeah, yeah, Russia has a like a oof, that's a whole other. Russia's got a lot yeah. of a lot of difficult history. But again, this is the thing. Once you really broaden your view, and this is again why I think it's so important for us to all like continue to educate ourselves and learn more mm-hmm. because you can start to look for the parallels between everything. Like all the you know most humans are and or have been in some form of intense struggle at some point or another if they aren't now then they they were at some point so it's like it's like the sickness of humanity it's just like groups of people conquering other groups of people and like it's gotta stop i know (laughs) it's like we gotta stop this at some point like just can't we all just you know we don't even have to all get along but just like stop the just stop yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, which i think is kind of great like that the pandemic came along because it was like bad humans like stop it you know (laughs) well and there was this there was this uniting factor you could feel it like as much as like especially back in like last year in March and you know like when everybody Mm. was at home there really was this feeling and you would go out and it was very quiet outside because everyone was at home and but there was this feeling as much as everybody was inside in their own worlds I felt this really deep human um, connectedness at the same time. Did you feel that as well? Oh, for sure. And it was because we were all having a similar experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and our our lives were were being um, deeply affected and impacted, like in a way like, like no other, especially, you know, I think for some people, maybe there wasn't as much difference in restriction or in like finances or, but I think a lot of people, it really impacted them. And, and I think it made it, made it easier for people to feel like, yes, okay, we're in this together. I need people to survive, you know? Um, yeah, we do. It's funny. We all, we, we fight with one another and yet we need each other at the same time. It's like, I know. it's like little kids again. It's like little kids, you know, you see little kids play and they're like that. They're like best friends one moment and then they're like kicking each other's butt the next moment. But then the beauty of children, right, is what do they do? They just get over it and they just go right back to it, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, they really do. It's like the, the desire to have friends and be connected and and to be liked is so strong that they're like, okay, I know I was dumb. Like, and you were a little bit dumb too. Okay. Let's, I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Oh man. We're good. We're going to get there. Yeah. 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 Like, are you going to come to my house? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Tomorrow. Like, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Want a cookie? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember my mom, like, you know, being in grade three or four and being like, oh, I don't like that person anymore. Like, they're so mean. And then like a week later being like, mom, can I sleep over at, you know, Karen's house? You know? And she's like, oh, are you guys friends again? I'm like, yeah. She's like, sure. Okay. Like, Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. My son has friends that like every time they go together, they play out the same thing. They like have a fight for the first like period, like period of time, or they're like, you know, bickering with one another. And then by the end of the time together, they're the best of friends. You can't tear them apart. And they, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't want to go home. <laughs> yeah, totally. They're totally in love with each other. When can we see each other again? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. 
Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. We could learn for the children. Dawn, thank you so much. We could talk forever. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. know. We could talk forever, but thank you so much. And I'm going to play one of your songs for everyone um, before. Yes, because I know the other day I was like texting you. I was like, which song do I pick? I don't even know. But which which song would you like everyone to hear? Oh, man. Oh, man. Um... I feel like Freedom Time is kind of a good one. Yeah. I feel like it's appropriate. Freedom yeah. Time. Yes. Yeah. I think so too. It's very very appropriate. That was that was one of my top picks for sure. Yeah. But whatever you want. Like really, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm going to so play easy. Freedom Time because okay. it's, it's so powerful and you have such a wonderful voice and a wonderful presence and it's so nice to just hear your, you know, your your amazing perspectives so thank you thank so you. much everybody john pemberton you can find her at johnpemberton.ca and on all the all the online spaces as john pemberton please go check out her music buy her music <laughs> and uh support um independent artists so grateful thank you so much john for uh, thank you. being here
You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.